Happy Sunday morning, everyone. Thank you for joining me today. It's a cloudy morning in South Bend, Indiana. And welcome to the first ever episode of Heavier Than I Looked, a podcast dedicated to healing, recovery, and storytelling. My name is Kira Russo, and I'm your host. Never did I think I would have the privilege of creating and hosting my own podcast, yet I'm so glad to venture into this new world. When I was younger, I promised myself that I would never endeavor to join radio of any format because of my experience with a dad who's quite successful in that field. I'm hoping this podcast, however, will be something to embrace as my own. Not only will this podcast be an outlet to discuss the intricacies associated with disordered eating and body dysmorphia, but it is aimed to empower survivors, educate listeners, and foster conversation. Heavier Than I Look will attempt to redefine each space that we comprise through introspection and reflection. This podcast will also provide an outlet for survivors to share their own personal struggles with mental illness and or disordered eating while empowering them to reclaim a sense of agency and ownership over their story. I'm hopeful these recovery episodes will be interspersed throughout the fall season, distinct from the educational tools and discussions we will have in other episodes. The title of this podcast, Heavier Than I Look, gets at our understanding of identity. For many years, my identity was wholly defined by a number. The number of calories I ate in a day, my clothing size, most notably my weight. The title is an ironic attempt to abandon that numerical, quantitative definition of identity and broaden our understanding of what constitutes an individual. There's more to each of us than a number. Our self-worth must come from a wide variety of measures, not just some arbitrary three digits. We exist beyond the number on the scale. We are metaphorically heavier than that value and must challenge ourselves to expand our own self-definition. And that is a challenge that this podcast hopes to embrace and discuss further. Before we jump into more complex discussions of identity and self-worth, we got to start at the beginning. What are eating disorders? Where do they come from? Who is affected? What are the different types of eating disorders? How can we find suitable treatment and recover? These are all issues that I plan on discussing during this podcast, and each episode will be dedicated to a specific topic within mental illness and disordered eating or thought. I hope to cover issues such as the biological, psychological, and sociocultural risk factors, triggers and trauma, eating disorders represented in pop culture and the media, health consequences and repercussions, and how to make peace with food and with your body. Eating disorders do not discriminate. They are serious mental and physical illnesses that affect those of all genders, ages, races, religions, ethnicities, 
sexual orientations, body shapes, and weights. In the United States alone, 20 million women and 10 million men will develop an eating disorder at some point in their lifetime. This statistic is frightening, and it's one of the reasons that I created this podcast. We must collectively reduce the stigma surrounding this illness and work to improve the resources available for those suffering or those in recovery. Before we do that, it is important to learn about the different forms an eating disorder may manifest itself in. Some eating disorders are more well-known than others, but there are currently nine different designations of disordered eating. Anorexia nervosa is perhaps the most well-known eating disorder. It is characterized by weight loss, distorted body image, restrictive eating behavior, compulsive exercising. Interestingly enough, symptoms of anorexia have been traced back for thousands of years. And according to the National Institute of Mental Health, anorexia nervosa is also the most fatal mental illness, with an estimated mortality rate of around 10%. Bulimia nervosa is characterized by a cycle of binging and compensatory behaviors, such as self-induced vomiting or misuse of laxatives and other medication. These compulsive behaviors are meant to undo the effects of binge eating, yet often lead to digestive imbalances and can potentially be life-threatening. Number three, you have binge eating disorder, which occurs when an individual experiences recurrent episodes of eating large quantities of food, which is often very quickly. And binges are typically associated with a debilitating loss of control, a sense of discomfort, and paralyzing shame. Binge eating disorder, otherwise known as BED, is the most common eating disorder in the United States. Yet it was only formally recognized by the DSM, the Psychological Diagnostic and Statistical Manual, in 2013. Number four, you have orthorexia, which is an eating disorder not formally recognized in the DSM, yet characterized in a characterizes an obsession with healthy eating. Those with orthorexia may also struggle with obsessive-compulsive disorder and become significantly fixated on the restriction of unsafe or unhealthy foods, even to the point of malnutrition. Other specified feeding or eating disorders, OFSED, O-F-S-E-D, is considered a catch-all definition for those individuals who may not meet rigid diagnostic criteria for disordered eating, yet must not be trivialized or, or underestimated because of its life-threatening tendencies. Avoidant Restrictant Food Intake Disorder, otherwise known as ARFID, is a restrictive eating disorder characterized by stalled weight gain or weight loss in addition to limitations in type of food consumed. Distinctly, ARFID does not involve fears about body shape or size, yet involves severe fear surrounding certain foods. PICA is an eating disorder defined by the consumption of items or substances without significant nutritional value. Examples of these include hair, dirt, and paint chips. Diagnosis of PICA is also accompanied by tests for anemia, intestinal blockage, and toxicity measurement. Rumination disorder involves the regular regurgitation of food that occurs for at least one month. 
This regurgitation happens when food is re-chewed, re-swallowed, or spit out. And then finally, you have unspecified feeding or eating disorder, UFED, U-F-E-D. And it applies to cases in which typical symptoms of other eating disorders cause clinically significant distress or impairment in social, occupational, or other functions. These symptoms dominate, yet do not meet the full classification for other eating disorders. And this designation is often used where there is insufficient information or time necessary to make a more specific diagnosis, like in the case of an emergency room setting. It goes without saying, but eating disorders are infinitely more complex than the simple overview that I've just shared. They they have tremendous and severe biological, psychological, and physiological impacts, yet this foundation will serve as the building blocks of which we will develop further. These designations are also not set in stone. They are constantly evolving and adjusting, especially as more information becomes available. We will discuss the transformation of eating disorder culture in subsequent episodes. Eating disorders are also not a choice. No individual who has struggled with an eating disorder or body image issues has chosen to do so. As research around EDs intensifies and expands, we learn more about how one becomes susceptible to this disease. Although the risk factors vary greatly across biological, psychological, and sociocultural boundaries, some common components include, number one, having a close relative who had or has an eating disorder or mental health condition, number two, a history of dieting and weight control methods, number three, perfectionism, which is one of the strongest risk factors and usually manifests itself into what it's called, into what's called a self oriented perfectionism, which involves setting unrealistically high standards for oneself. Number four, body image dissatisfaction or the internalization of an appearance ideal. Number five, a co-occurring mental illness such as generalized anxiety, obsessive compulsive disorder, or panic disorder. Number six, behavioral inflexibility, or the belief that there is one right way to be successful. Number seven, weight stigma, which is is the discrimination or stereotyping based on a person's weight. Number eight, teasing or bullying someone because of their weight. Number nine, limited social networks. Number ten, negative energy balance, which results in a caloric deficit. Number 11, those with type 1 diabetes may be more susceptible to developing an eating disorder. And perhaps the two most complex, given their broad nature, you have acculturation, which is the increased risk posed to those from racial and ethnic minority groups who might be undergoing rapid westernization and develop an eating disorder because of the westernized ideal of beauty, which often includes a very thin ideal. And then you also have historical trauma, which refers to a massive cumulative group trauma across generations, such as that threatening Jewish Holocaust survivors, Native American populations, and indigenous peoples. Health consequences for these groups include anxiety, psychic numbing, and poor effect tolerance, and also unresolved grief, which are all catalysts for one to develop an eating disorder. 
The risk factors mentioned are not exhaustive, yet provide a compelling glimpse into the dangers that might presuppose an eating disorder or body dysmorphia. One does not need to have all risk factors associated with EDs, nor must they have a certain number. These risk factors are identified on a case-by-case basis and are not universal. It's also important to mention that eating disorders demand attention. Just as pain demands to be felt, eating disorders must be validated and recognized if the individual is to be healed, which is why treatment is incredibly important. Recovery from an eating disorder is gradual, yet we must remember that healing is never linear. It often involves a qualified team of professionals in addition to support from the individual's inner circle of family and friends. Recovery is also individualized and can prove a widely different experience from one person to the next, especially if the eating disorders being treated differ. I also am a big believer that an eating disorder is not something that can simply be fixed. It is instead something that requires a dismantling of compulsive thought and action, a re-examination of self and societal ideals, and ongoing trial and error. Treatment options and opportunities will be something discussed more in depth in a later episode, but for now, I would like to share something special. During each episode, I hope to share a piece of art or insight from someone who has suffered from mental illness as an attempt to amplify the voices of those recovering. This first submission was written about a year and a half ago, just after the first time I had ever muttered the phrase eating disorder. I wrote this poem in response to an English assignment exploring the role of multiple identities as we seek to define ourselves within the macrocosm of society. This poem narrowly chronicles my struggles with disordered eating, aiming to challenge my once narrow self-definition. Not only was this the first time I had ever confessed to myself that I had an eating disorder, but it was also the first time I had ever confessed my struggles to my loved ones. My eating disorder was a private, isolating, hidden demon for nearly four years before I shared this piece, and this admission was the catalyst for me seeking help. It also won Best Poem at New Canaan High School's 2019 Poetry Fest. It is entitled, An Apology to Myself. It is 2009. I'm only eight years old and I'm crying, waiting for the beach in a tan, realizing with much effort that I can't be with my cousins on the sand. Their faces glow with joy, splashing through the waves with the boys, but on the inside, I'm destroyed, and there's nothing left to fill the void. I don't like what I see in the reflection of me, and I start to think, what if I could be free? It is 2013. I wonder how much weight I can lose in a week. Five pounds? Ten? What's the best technique? At 12, I first discover the influence of a pro-anorexia link. I tell my mom not to pack me any food. I'm not hungry and just not in the mood, but my mom and I don't realize that soon my understanding of self-worth will be skewed. In the mirror, I gawk at how I look, 
fat, ugly, gross, and I begin a book where I count my calories and make sure I'm never full. I run three miles a day. Burning the calories is well understood. It is 2014. I start running faster to prepare for the track team. My weight plummets, but so does my self-esteem. The rest of me coils like a wound-up machine. I become embarrassed of my intake. I should eat less for my own sake. Anything consumed becomes a mistake. Little did I know, a 13-year-old girl, I did break. I never go to the cafeteria and my anxiety builds. I don't want anyone to see me for a look would kill. I hide away in the library and build my skills of saying I'm not hungry while my stomach is unfulfilled. It is 2015. I haven't told anyone and my disease remains unseen. It is a creature I created and becomes my exterior screen. It rules my life and my fragility only begins. Is this what it means to be empty? To make no sound? My disease soon consumes and surrounds. It is a cage filled with water where I drown. And finally, my body has unwound. It is 2016 and I can't breathe and I can't see. My body is shaking because I fainted when standing up on my two feet. It soon becomes about self-possession. Fixing myself becomes an obsession. What if I could be free wasn't the real question, because I was trapped within anorexia and depression. It is 2018. Restrictive thoughts are still a routine. They lurk at the back of my mind where they can't be seen by anyone or anything. It is a monster that has only ever come in between. It is the most isolating aspect of my life. My world is about numbers and how I'm seen in another's eyes. How small can I become? How much little space can I comprise? But what if I die? It is 2019. Before today, eight people had seen how my life was dictated by the number on my jeans, the number on the scale, and the numbers that I read. Each one distinct, and all bring back memories of the time where I was ruled by myself, an enemy. It is 2019. My body is no longer a battleground. It doesn't mean that I have to continue to be terrified by the number on the screen because I know my body is the outward appearance of my refusal of defeat. I choose to live outside of that singular frame of hunger. I'm trying to reconcile my insides and outsides with one another. I have felt the suffocating hands of eating disorders that I will forever remember but now choose not to define my self-worth by a number. Next week, I will share an in-depth account of my own story with anorexia, binge eating disorder, and body dysmorphia. 
Tune in on Sunday morning at 9 a.m. If you're interested in learning more about eating disorders, please visit the National Eating Disorders Association, NEDA, website at nationaleatingdisorders.org. If you or someone you love might be struggling with an eating disorder, know that you have my full support in recovery and consider seeking treatment. Disordered eating has ruled my life for nearly six years, and I didn't think anything would ever be able to come in between that. Treatment did, and treatment still does. If you are in a crisis situation, please contact NEDA's helpline by texting NEDA to 741741. Finally, if you are interested in sharing your own story with mental illness or eating disorders, or if you would like to highlight a poem, a song, a piece of art or insight, please don't hesitate to reach out to me at krusso at nd.edu. K-R-U-S-S-O at nd.edu. All are welcome. Let us no longer wonder how little space we can comprise, but instead wonder how to make that space one filled with love and sympathy. That's all we have today for Heavier Than I Look. Goodbye for now.